And they, um, so that, that's what the, the Koreans figured, that the reason that the Jewish people were able to do this was in fact because of Talmud. That doesn't mean, they understood, it's not just the Talmudists develop it, they just believed that from centuries of learning Talmud, the Jewish genetic makeup and mental makeup had become one that could do this. So they decided to go to yeshiva, and they went to Purvish yeshiva, and they did research to understand how Talmud works and what it is, and then they've introduced it into the school curriculum in Korea. School children in Korea study Talmud. Um, in Korean, it's translated, and they, and they study Talmud. Now, of course, they're not studying real Talmud, but it's like Dafyomi, they're reading it. But what's, but what's interesting to me is, if they figured out that Talmud has the capacity to produce brilliance and character simultaneously, then we're sitting on a treasure. But one thing I know for sure is, as wonderful as Dafyomi is as a social phenomenon, it's not going to create brilliance and character. It can't do that. It's when you spend a month on a, on a Daf Gemara, then you can create brilliance and character. And fewer and fewer people are accessing the methodology of learning. They're reading the content. And the content isn't going to do a whole lot for you. It's going to give you information. But the content isn't going to do a whole lot. What's going to do it for you is the methodology is engaging deeply in the way the Gomorrah thinks, because the way the Gomorrah thinks is the way Hashem thinks. That's why we were given Torah Shabal Peh, to teach us how to think in a divine way, how to think like God thinks. And that's what Gomorrah really is. So when we learn Gomorrah, that's what we've got to try and access. And so the purpose of the Matmonim was to introduce people to that kind of learning of Gomorrah. Now, of course, again, it's only 15 minutes a day, so, you, so what can you do? So what we do is we take a very small piece from the Daf. Instead of taking the whole daf and trying to do it in an hour, we take one or two lines and we do it in 15 minutes. And we spend the full 15 minutes on those one or two lines, going as deeply as we can in 15 minutes, and then applying it, applying it to life, applying it to business, applying it to leadership, applying it to the, to the way we operate, so that we can get something out of it and, and modify our lives, start living differently, start thinking differently. Um, and, and that's really what the, the Matmonim is. Um, so I, I give it every morning at the, at the Kolel before Shachrit, 6.40, 20 to 7. Uh, and then it goes online. Uh, and people listen to it on, on my app. I have an app and there's a, there's a WhatsApp group. If anybody's interested, let me know. And we'll put you on the WhatsApp group and you can listen to it. Although there's no comparison. It is, after all, Torah Shibal Peh. Torah Shibal Peh means you learn it live. And there's a huge difference in learning Torah live from learning it online or on YouTube or on an app. It's, there's, there's, a, there's a huge difference. And now with getting back to normal and the corona days, hopefully receding into the background over the next months, hopefully, uh, it's important that we get back into the discipline of learning with a chavruta, of learning with a rebbe, of going to a shiur and having live interaction so that one can grapple, not just sit passively and listen to somebody on a, on a, on a phone or on a, on a computer screen, but to actually grapple with the ideas and talk about the ideas and converse the ideas. So we thought tonight I would give you a sample of a, of a matmonim from today's daf. Is there anybody who's learned today's daf? Somebody? Okay. So you'll, you'll be familiar with it, and the others, I'll, I'll give you the background. So there are two... And he has an example of quite a technical issue and how we can learn from this technical issue. Now, 
What we learn from, I'll tell you already the, the bottom line of what we're going to learn from, from today's death. I had, it's, this links into what we were talking about a few minutes ago. I had the unfortunate experience of having to go into a bank a few weeks ago. Um, and, and as you know, that's not, a nice, that, that's not a, a nice thing to have to do, but sometimes a Jew has to do that too. Uh, and I'm sitting with the Pakid in the bank, and I'm telling him what I need, and he's telling me all the reasons why I can't have what I need. And I tell him what I need to do, and he's telling me all the reasons why you can't do what I need to do. And eventually, I virtually took him by the scruff of his neck, at least, at least verbally, if not, if not physically. And I said, I haven't come here to be told what I can't do. I don't need you for that. I can ask anybody in the street and they'll tell me all the things I can't do. You don't need to be educated. You don't need to be knowledgeable to tell me what I can't do. I need somebody who can tell me how to do what I can do. Now, can you do that or can't you? And everything changed. And I thought to myself, what would happen if, if the people that we employ and the people that we work with, and many of you do, do this, are can-do people. They figure out a way. They're trained to think that way. Very often, you're dealing with people who are trained. These are the rules. Sorry, these are the rules. And sometimes you have people who understand the rules, not interested in breaking the rules, but they're brilliant at figuring out a way. And those are the entrepreneurs. Those are the people who are changing the world. The people who, who set out to do things that everybody told them can't be done. And they set out to find a way that it can be done. And what's that worth? And then I realized if that bank pakid were a yeshiva graduate, he would never respond that way. He would be so excited by the opportunity to find a way. It would be a challenge for him. He would say, wow, let's think about this. There must be a way to do this. That's, and he would get all animated and excited instead of sitting there, can't do this, you can't do that. No, there's a rule that says you can't do this. Sorry, I can't help you. That's, that, that, that's the difference between somebody who's trained to find a way and somebody who's trained to know the rules. Two different kinds of training. And a Torah training is a training, among many other things, in finding the way. And that's why there are so many people who are now realizing, and you know that it is in the army, and it's in Mossad, and it's in Shabak, and it's in the entrepreneurial world, of people realizing that yeshiva graduates with no secular education are some of the best people to employ in certain specific areas. Because they know this. They know how to find a way. Because that's how they've been trained. That's what Gomorrah can do. Now tell me, if I told you that you could educate your child in such a way that what they learn is to find a way, what would you give for such an education? And instead we put them in these chrakish schools where they teach them the rules, all the things, all the stuff, and they're not being taught. Gomorrah, which teaches people how to find a way. But also, when you're learning how to find a way, you've also got to learn what the limits are. Sometimes you can't find a way. Sometimes you can't go that far. And that's what this piece of Gomorrah deals with. Here, there are, two, there are two rules that you have to know. So if you're the Pakid, these are the two rules that you have to know that we're working with. The one rule is a Bechor, an animal which is a firstborn, male animal, kosher animal, belongs to the Kohen. And it has to be brought as a korban. It has to be brought to the Beit HaMikdash. 
However, if it has a mum, if it is permanently flawed, it has certain imperfections that are permanent and serious, then it cannot be brought as a korban. But it still belongs to the kohen. So the kohen can slaughter it, and he can sell it, or he can eat it, or he can do what he wants with it. It doesn't have to go to the Beit HaMikdash. That's the first rule you need to know. Second rule you need to know is on Yom Tif, you can only prepare food that you're going to use on Yom Tif. You can even slaughter an animal on Yom Tif, but then you've got to use the animal for a meal on Yom Tif. You can't slaughter the animal if you're not going to use the meat. Those are the two rules we're working with. And here's the case study. So the Gemara always works with that. Rules and a case study, and then how do we find a way? That's, that's, that's the, the model of the Gemara. So those are the two rules. The case study is a weird case study. The Gemara deals with weird case studies because we're learning methodology. It's not about the case. The case probably never happened and probably never will happen. It's about the methodology. That's what we want to learn. So the case study is a cow is found to have a flaw. Erev Yom But we're not sure whether it's the kind of flaw that qualifies him to avoid being brought as a, as a korban. So there's some flaws that they're not important, they can still go as a korban, and there's some flaws that, make the, the, that disqualify the animal from being a, a korban, which is good for the owner in a way, right? Because now it, now it has value. So before Yom Tif, the, this person's cow gets a flaw, but he doesn't know if it's, a, if it's a bad one or a good flaw. The only way you're allowed to know is if a specialist comes and examines the animal and makes a decision. So there's got to be a person, a specialist mum man, has to come and see the animal and he has to declare the animal fit or unfit for a korban. On Yom Tif, this animal falls into a pit. So now the question is, can we bring the animal's mukta? Can we bring the animal out of the pit? If we bring the animal out of the pit, we, why would we bring him out? Because we need him for dinner. But we're not sure we can eat him for dinner because he had a mum and we don't know what kind of mum he is. So we don't know what to do. The animal's in the pit. What do we do? So that's the case that the Mishnah speaks about. And the, and the Gemara discusses why do we need to talk about the pit because we could discuss this halakha without getting into the case of the pit. And the Gemara then says, no, the pit is very important because... We need the case of the cow actually falling into the pit. I might have thought I might have thought that since the animal is suffering, so now we've got a situation, animal suffering. What does the owner do? The owner says, oh, can I bring the animal up? And he goes, he asks the rov in the shul, and the rov says, oh, what can we do? Sorry, animal suffering, it's Yom Tif. And the animal's mukta, you don't know that it can be used even. You can't bring it up on the off chance, the animal's mukta. I might think that maybe since the animal is suffering, la arim, we can get smart. What does get smart mean? You can say, you know what, I have a hunch that this mum is not a very serious one. I saw the animal before, and yes, I didn't call the expert in, but I saw this wasn't a very serious one. So let's get him out. 
If it turns out that it was a serious one, I'll just say, oops, I made a mistake. Sorry, I thought it wasn't a serious one. Let's be ma'arim. Now, ma'arim means... You made a mistake, so now it's too late. The animal's there, can't be shechted, but at least the animal's not suffering. So you've saved the animal from suffering. The animal's now out of the pit, and you did it in good intention. La'arim means to become sly, and ha'aramai is a tool we use. We use slyness in, in quotation marks. For example, with Shemitah. Selling the land to non-Jews is ha'arama. It's a way of getting around the rules. That's not what Shemitah is meant for. We weren't told to sell the land to the goyim. Selling the land to the goyim is a way of getting around. It's finding a solution. There's hardship for the farmers. There's hardship for the economy. And so there's a, there's a way to get around it. And that's one of the ways to get around it. What are some of the other cases you can think of of Haramah? Selling chometz on Pesach. Making an Eruv for Shabbos. There are things that we do, there are many things that we do which are in inventive ways of finding a solution within the Halakha, although that might not have been the real intention of the Halakha. So if you look at this and you realize, and the Gemara says we have a precedent for it. What is the precedent? The precedent is the case of Rabbi Yoshua near the end of the Masech that we'll get to it in, in, a, in, in a little while. What is the Rabbi Yeshua's case? A very interesting case. Also involves a pit. In this case, a cow and its calf fall into a pit on Shabbos. So what's the problem? What is the problem? Yeah, how can you save both of them? You can't shech both of them. Right? can't shech the cow and its calf on the same day. But if you can't shech it on the same day, one is after going to stay in the pit. You can only get one out. Says Rabbi Yeshua, you can do Ha'arama. You can say, okay, I can get one out. I'll take the cow. When the cow comes up, you can say, oops, actually I've decided I want veal for dinner, not beef. I made a mistake. I thought I felt like beef, but I really want veal. Luckily, I have a calf in the pit. Let's get the calf up for dinner. That's a case of Ha'arama. You're actually, you're being sly with halakha. And if you think of how often this comes up in Halakha, this is an example that I'm talking about where a Torah person is being trained to find a solution. An animal is suffering. Don't just sit back and say, what can I do? The Halakha says no. Are you sure? Isn't there perhaps a way that you can work this around? Now as it comes out, the Gemara says that's all fine in the case of Rabbi Yeshua with the cow and the calf, but it doesn't work in our case. And it doesn't work in our case because there's a subtle difference between the two cases. In the case of the cow and the calf, the person has control over whether he's going to have beef or mutton, beef or, or, um, yeah. or veal. He has control over that. So he can kind of work the whole scenario through. Th that's about intention. I thought I wanted beef, but I decided I wanted veal. And I'm the one who makes those decisions. So I can make the whole thing happen. But in this case, it's, oh, I thought the mum wasn't a serious one. And, and what control do you have over whether it's serious or not? Zero control. So you're making a bet. This is not an intention. This is a bet. And you can't be ma'arim with a bet. It do, that, that doesn't work. So there's a subtle difference. We don't have a chance to talk about it. But that in itself is a fascinating conversation, isn't it? The difference between the two cases. What's the difference between using a, an assumption of intention and an assumption of a bet? And, and why can one do the one and not the other one? 
and to understand the limitations. But this is this is what's Im- what's important. Um, I was was very privileged among the great 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 people that I that I studied with. One um, I mentioned over Yomtev. One was Ramosha Feinstein, uh, right at the end of his life, and uh, he taught me. Uh, Put the finishing touches to my training as to how to paskin, how to make a halakhic decision. And he said to me on one occasion, people think that I am a maker. People think that I take the lighter approach. But that's not true. That's not how I approach a shayla. I approach a shayla, he said, as a human tragedy. If somebody's calling me, they're calling me because they're in trouble. You don't call Rabbi Moshe Feinstein to ask what time Shabbos comes in, although, believe it or not, there's somebody who used to call him every Friday and ask him what time Shabbos came in. He used to answer. But, but that's not what one does. If you call Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, the Posek Hador, the greatest halakhic authority in the world, you're calling him because you have a dilemma, because you, there's a problem, you're in trouble. And the trouble is created by halakha. It's lavdil like me and the bank. That my, I'm in trouble. The trouble is caused by the regulations. And the one thing to say is, well, sorry, what can I do about it? Those are the regulations. And the other is to say, oh my goodness, you're in trouble. Let's figure out if there's anything we can do to help you. The difference is about whether you care or you don't care. The difference is about whether your Torah is about human beings or your Torah is about books. Is your Torah about regulations or is your Torah about human condition? Is your Torah about solving problems for people or making problems for people? Those are the differences. And that's the differences, how you think, how you learn, how you teach, and how you pass them. And we see that in this Gemara. And this is how children are Gemara Beta. Children learn Gemara Beta. Not only children, of course, everybody learns, but even children learn Gemara Beta from a young age. That's a conversation that takes place in the classroom. Now you tell me any other discipline in the world where children in a classroom would be learning about that idea, about the the tension between regulations and the human condition and the responsibility of knowledgeable people to help people navigate the regulations in ways that resolve their their dilemmas and their tragedies. That's what one does with Psak. That's what Halakha is about. Halakha is not about learning what you're not allowed to do. Halakha is about learning how to navigate a complex system of Hashem's regulations in ways that make life tenable and that make life usable. That's part of the, the wonder and the, and the beauty of, of Gomorrah, of Halakha, and that's part of what we try and do with every matmonim, is to take the daf. Now, we could do this with any part of the daf. I've just taken three lines. To take a piece, some, some idea on the daf Gomorrah, and the, the Matmonim, by the way, uh, there are people who listen to it who are Rabbonim and Tamidei Chachomim. And there are people who listen to it, men and women who listen to it, who have no Gemara background whatsoever. And it's designed for that purpose, to be able to appeal uh, to both people in the same way. But it's not just about learning the fact, it's about getting used to looking at Chazal that way. Lo- looking at Halachot that way. And that by learning this way every day, over and over, just for 15 minutes a day, it starts training you in a way to think. It starts training you in a way to not just think about Torah. It starts training you in a way to think about human beings, about the world in which we operate, and about the, the tension between human beings 
and the world in which we operate and how to help people navigate that. It jumped at you. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Thank you.